So we've covered a number of fruits of the Spirit. We've talked about love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And today we talk about faithfulness. And so I thought it would be fitting if we started about trying to define what faithfulness is, where it came from, and what faith is. And it's sometimes hard to wrap your arms around it. So I thought I would lead off with a little story about faith for you. Some of you may know that uh, I do a number of different things. One of them is I'm an amateur radio operator. And about 25 years ago, when I was significantly younger, full of much confidence and less common sense, I would climb radio towers and help dismantle antennas and systems. Kind of give you some perspective when you're 50 to 100 to 1,000 feet in the air, you need to have a little faith or just not a lot of sense. I'm not sure which one of those that I had. Probably at that point, 25 years ago, not as much sense as faith. But I was up on top of a tower in uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. In the middle of summer, it was about somewhere in in the range of, it felt like 150 degrees. I mean, it was one of those hot, muggy days. And one thing about climbing towers is you don't want to go up and come back down and go up and come back down because it's not like a ladder or an elevator. It's a straight climb. And so I was with a friend who was my ground crew, and I needed a special piece of equipment to undo a bolt. And we'd been up there already a couple hours, and I was getting fatigued. Even at, you know, 30 years old, I could feel that I was getting a little tired. And I looked down to him, and I said, <clears throat> I said, Bill, you need to bring me up the, the nut wrench. And he looked up at me, and he just kind of shook his head. And he said, I'm not getting on that tower. You know I'm afraid of heights. I said, Bill, this is not, a, this is not an option here. I said, I'm ready to drop. I'm exhausted. I've got to do this one thing. You're going to have to climb this tower. He said, oh, oh no, you're going to have to come down. This went on for about 17 seconds as my voice and pitch began to increase. He recognized the urgency in my request. And I said, Bill, it's going to be okay. All I want you to do is put one hand on a rung, put one foot on the next rung, and we're going to go back and forth. Don't look down. Listen to my voice. Have faith in me. You can climb this tower and bring me that tool. And I kept talking, and my voice was, you know, a little, a little louder than it is now. And by golly, he made it up that tower, handed me the tool, and made it back down the tower. And when all was said and done, he said, thank you. I said, no, thank you, because I, I, if I came down that tower, I wasn't going back up. No, he said, thank you, because I needed that. I needed that confidence, that faith to be able to overcome something, to get up that tower and deliver you that tool. And so from a standpoint of faith, outside of the church, that's, an, that's a concept that, that we look at in terms of providing that confidence. When I looked up the, the actual non-churchy definitions of faithfulness. Faithfulness is the quality of being faithful. Now, that, that doesn't require a lot of uh, understanding right there. It's just kind of words thrown together. What's faithful? What's well, loyal, constant, steadfast? Okay, but we're still not quite at the root here. Let's talk about what faith is. So, according to several online dictionaries, faith is complete trust or confidence in someone or something, or strong belief in God or in the doctrines of a religion based on spiritual 
apprehension rather than proof. Faith can be an allegiance to duty or to a person. It can be sincerity of intentions. Or it can be a firm belief in something for which there is no proof, that there is no guidance. So that gives you a little concept of faith. In my research, I dug a little deeper, and I found something that Billy Graham said. Um, And I I respect Billy Graham for, for his ministries and take very seriously what he has to say. So let me share with you what Billy had to say. Faith simply means believing that something is true and then committing our lives to it. Faith has two parts, and they're both equally important. The first part is belief. That is, the the belief that God exists and He loves us. The second part of faith is a commitment. That is, a definite decision not only to believe in our minds that Christ can save us, but to put our lives in His hands and trust Him alone for our salvation. Graham's remarks are certainly supported by Scripture. As God speaks through Moses in Deuteronomy, we have just read, Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping His covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love Him and keep His commandments. And again from Hebrews. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Paul affirms that God is faithful. And these are some words that we can recognize about God's faithfulness. Steadfast love, indefinite loyalty, absolute reliability, eternally covenant, stable, constant, true, trustworthy, and sincere. That is our faithful God. As the children of God, we are called by a faithful God to be faithful to God and to be faithful to our brothers and sisters in Christ. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul proclaims this. God is faithful who has called you into relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, the notion of being called by God to be faithful and as Billy Graham affirms, to put our lives into his hands and trust him alone for our salvation can sometimes be a difficult concept to live out. Do we fully trust every day in God? Do we fully embrace faithfulness, faithfulness to God, faithfulness to one another? Now, I say I love God, and I trust that my salvation is provided through the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I say that. I say that to you. Yet every Sunday, I come here and I confess my sins, just as we this morning confess together, telling God, we have not loved you with a pure heart, nor have we loved our neighbors as ourselves. 
God, we have not done justice, loved kindness, or walked humbly with you, O Lord. That's okay. God accepts our confession. But yet I still struggle with this lifelong affliction of trying to illuminate my own path instead of relying on God. And I've talked about this before. Perhaps some of you share this same issue that I have of Steve simply saying, God, here's what I'm going to do. Bless it. God does. He blesses it. He leaves a few obstacles in my path to remind me that, in fact, it's his path, not my path. And so it has taken 50-some years for me to realize that perhaps instead of saying, God, here is my path, bless it, I should say, God, where is my path? Will you help illuminate it for me? There is huge relief in being faithful and trusting enough to allow God total control. I'm kind of a control guy. It's a hard piece for me to do. But it sure is refreshing and peaceful when I can make that connection. Here's some good news. As we, as we read earlier from Isaiah, it says, The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. So when I struggle with illuminating my own path, there is a place for me to turn. In fact, the Bible is our source of direction and we affirm that our God is a faithful God hear now from Proverbs 3 verses 5 and 6 this is an anchor verse for me trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your on your own understanding in all ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight When I struggle with illuminating my own path, I can open the Bible and read that and feel a sense of overwhelming calmness. God expects us to be faithful and to trust Him. All the while, Paul asserts that we're called into fellowship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And this implies a relationship with Jesus, just like we talked about with the children this morning the importance of a relationship, not only with Christ, but with one another. Our faithfulness is foundational to a solid relationship with God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as well as with our neighbors. Just how important are these relationships? Whether we're engaging in evangelism or pastoral care, or simply making new friends, the first step in developing a relationship is building an environment of trust. Let's be honest. Until trust is established, deep and faithful relations will not blossom. So consider this. Should we lead someone to God by intimidation or embarrassment? How often have we seen that? where we have pushed people to God instead of being trusting and open and inviting? Can we really care for someone if they don't believe us to be loving, sincere, and committed? 
when you walk down the street or walk through the hallways or wherever you might find yourself and you might say, Lisa, how are you doing? Okay. That was not a really solid interaction there, was it? She's good. But did we really break down barriers to determine that she understands that I'm caring for her? Did you get a shower this morning, Lisa? That's what's really important. And I say that not because Lisa needed a shower, but because Lisa texted me this morning and said, I've got no water, this could be a problem. But knowing someone in their heart and expressing that care and that concern and that love pastorally is not for Jeff or Steve or the worship assistant to do. It's for all of us to do. It's for all of us to take time and commit ourselves to develop that relationship. And do our friends expect us to be loyal or honor our commitments to them? If Greg Langdon calls me up and says, Steve, can you come over today? I've got a project around the house. I really need some help. And I say, sure, Greg, I'll be there about 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock comes and goes. He's counted on me to be there. He's got other people waiting. And I show up about 5.30. What, what does that say to my faithfulness to Greg? He counted on me. I made a commitment to him and then I didn't honor it. We see that a lot in the church, not that I don't go and hang out with Greg, but we see people make commitments, in many cases, out of good faith, but something distracts them, and they lose that ability to stay committed. Let me reiterate, our faithfulness is foundational to solid leaderships. Our steadfast love and loyalty, and absolute reliability, our stability, our trustworthiness, and our sincerity. This is who God is, and this is what God wants for us. So, so where do we begin? How do we, how do we even start? Well, I'll go back to another one of my favorite anchor verses that you all have heard from me before. It's from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 37 through 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We are given tools fruits of the Spirit, to trust in the Lord. One being the fruit of faithfulness, love and loyalty and reliability and trustworthiness and sincerity. We are called to live out faithfulness not only to God, but with one another as well. So what might it look like if God wasn't faithful to us? Now, we know that that's not possible. So it's, it's hard to imagine. And perhaps it's easier for me to give you another example of what, from a mortal standpoint, that might look like. Many of you know that, that I spent 35 years riding big red trucks and squirting water. Loved to do it. There was a passion in my heart for that. Getting a little too old for it now. But what would happen if a group of us volunteer firefighters suddenly decided one day, Sam, your house is on fire, you call the fire department, and you know what? We're just not feeling it today, buddy. We're just not going to show up. I know we've kind of committed to, to be there when you need us, but we're not feeling it. What if God said that to us? 
Or, or what if we say that to one another? That we're just not feeling it. We aren't just hurting our relationships with each other. But we're hurting our relationships with God as well. Consider what our faithful God is calling us to do. And then let us do it faithfully. Now, don't do what I have done for years by simply blazing your own trail and asking God to bless it. But rather, do what I finally realized is the preferred path. Pray about what God is calling you to do. Open your Bible. Read about your relationship with Jesus and how he teaches us all to live faithfully. So in our short time together, we've looked at faithfulness. We've looked at what it's all about. We serve a faithful God who expects us to be faithful to him and to each other. God has provided for us. Let us live our lives with confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I'll leave you with this from Proverbs 3, verses 3 and 4. Let your love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Faithfulness is a fruit of the Spirit. Pray for it. Model it. Teach it. Celebrate it. Live it fully this day and forevermore. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.